the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Well, I have a lot of friends here today to help me make the case for the city that I love. This is Arthur Idala at 6.05 on a Tuesday evening after a big day of lawyering uh, here at Idala Bertuna and Commons. I, uh, I enjoyed my lawyering today. Um, also, for those of you who enjoy this show, I have some very good news. It's kind of breaking news. I went for a checkup this morning. Yes, I went to go see the doctor. You ready for this? Resting heartbeat. 47 beats per minute. How about that? Uh, my blood pressure, 110 over 60. And my EKG, the doctor said, was awesome. And I said, well, you know what? Thank you. Thank you, Samolino. Appreciate that. Uh, I said, but I don't want to be one of these guys who is like, everyone says he's in great shape and he's playing handball and he drops dead. Of course, Judge Cameron said, well, you better not play handball. Um, but I'm still going to go for a stress test because... I enjoy so much my life, uh, number one, as a family person, number two, as a lawyer, and number three, um, spending the afternoon, the evening with you every day. Um, we're almost at our three-month anniversary, and it's been getting better and better for me anyway every day. I hope you guys feel the same. I have two powerhouse guests, um, one who is going to tell us about how we can help um, women who are uh, survivors of domestic violence, and then my really uh, a, a good friend, a person who's become like a blood brother, because when you go see a Rolling Stones concert together and you're on the floor 20 feet away from Mick Jagger, it's like that scene in The Hangover when they when they slices open his head and he's like, "Blood brothers, we're in the wolf pack together." Brett Ratner, the uh, he's he's directed and produced and financed more movies than literally he can count. Um, he's going to spend a big hunk of today with us. There's so much to talk about in the news. I'm just going to touch on a. Eric Adams story as I do every day uh, apparently he's a little annoyed with some people in his staff Merit, Mayor Eric Adams told administration staff that all communications from every city agency must go through City Hall and that anyone who violates his quote discipline of message will be fired according to a leaked audio tape that's right that's according to a leaked audio tape from a recent meeting in which the mayor briefed officials on the new policy which is aimed at dealing with a quote-unquote gotcha press corps 
Uh, we may be able to talk to Brett, Brett Ratner about dealing with the press when you're in a high-profile situation. But before we get to Brett Ratner, um, I want to bring on the air on AM 97 The Answer. We're very fortunate to have Robin Wilson. She's a wellness entrepreneur, and if you hear the Idala uh, Power Hour um, intro, we always talk about wellness. We're, well, here's our wellness guest, Robin Williams. She's an author. She's a designer. She's the founder of Clean Design Home, a hyperallergenic home textile line, which, boy, would my wife Marianne love for Robin to come in and redo our house. And most importantly to me, she's a partner in the Joe Torrey Safe at Home Foundation, which is an, a foundation to help domestic abuse survivors rebuild their lives with Project Lilac. I have been um, Robin. This is Arthur Idala. Hello. How are you? How are you? Thank you oh. for having me this evening. Well, you are a, you know, you are literally a groundbreaking individual and you are part of the New York City landscape and the and the story here. I have attended several of Joe Torre Safe at Home Foundation events. Um and I will just tell you why um domestic violence is, is somewhat personal to me. Thank God nothing in my immediate family, but as a young assistant district attorney in the Brooklyn District Attorney's office, uh the DA himself, Charles Joe Hines, he was very open about the fact that his father would get drunk and come home and beat up his mom until he was old enough to beat up his dad. He told that story over and over again, and he uh, created the first domestic violence bureau in a major district attorney's office in the United States of America back when he came into office in 1990. And many of my dear friends were involved in prosecuting uh, the defendants of domestic violence. And of course, the social network we set up to help the victims of domestic violence uh, was really one of the first of its kind, in, to be honest with you, in the world. So, number one, thank you for what you do at the Safe at Home Foundation. And number two, tell us a little bit about the, the foundation. And then I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself because you're a powerhouse in and of, in and of yourself. <laughs> well, thank you again for having me. Um, we actually met with Joe Torrey a couple of months ago, and my company uh, has a brand that's sold at Macy's called Clean Design Home X Martex, and it is a hypoallergenic line of textiles. So similar to Bomba socks, where they sell colorful socks but give away uh, black socks to the homeless, I said, hmm, we sell very neutral colored sheets, grays and blues and whites, and why not... Um, acknowledge domestic violence and to give away lilac sheet, which is the color of domestic violence awareness. And everyone said, this is a great idea. So we named it Project Lilac and a percentage of our sales go toward uh, giving lilac sheets to domestic violence safe houses, which are part of Joe Torrey's Safe at Home Network. Well, I mean, that that's... And the money that's raised, because I've been there and I've watched a lot of money be raised. First of all, folks should right. know, Joe, who don't know, Joe Torrey was, uh, he's a Hall of Famer. He was the Yankees uh, manager when they won four World Series. And his team is so loyal to him to this day. And when he has these dinners, uh, they all show up and they raise a bazillion dollars. God bless. Right. And tell tell the folks who are listening, so, what what is done with that with those funds? Well, I'm not part of the foundation. I'm actually a business owner who found a way to give back to Joe's Survivor Network. And so literally when you go to Macy's and we're at Herald Square, for example, and 165 other locations around the country, and you buy Clean Design Home X Martex, which is a hypoallergenic brand, a percentage of those sales 
will then translate into sheets going to survivors who, as we all know, will sometimes leave home with just the clothing on their backs. But because we're giving them a sheet set for themselves, maybe their children, they actually have that beginning shred of dignity coming back, that empowerment coming back. And Project Lilac is giving them something they can take with them to their first apartment and then create a safe sleep. Because often, as you hear, domestic violence happens in the middle of the night. And uh, we hope that we can add to the conversation about really remembering that when people leave, it's the beginning of their journey. Well, I mean, thank you so much. Now, let me ask you something. Are you the person behind all of these doodle dogs? You know, they used to just be like a Labrador, and then it became a Labradoodle. And there used to be, uh, you know, a, a King Charles Cavalier, and now there's a Cavalier Doodle. Are you the one who created all these hyperallergenic dogs that you see running around uh, the, the country now? I am so not. Um, I'm allergic to <laughs> to animals. Um, in most cases, I was one of those panallergic children who, you know, my parents had to get rid of our dog, our indoor dog. And uh, so my whole life has been informed by being allergic to dander, animal dander and, and food and pollen and other things. And so in the 70s, my parents had a holistic doctor in Austin, Texas, who said, you can raise a strong child or a child on strong medicine. And my parents <laughs> took the second route and you know, made me exercise. I didn't take steroid medications, very little red meat you know, uh, environmental changes in the home. And so if you've read Malcolm Gladwell and the 10,000 hours you need to become an expert at something, I'd say my whole panallergic childhood qualified me. And then luckily I was able to start this company, um, Robin Wilson Home, and morphing our license brand into Clean Design Home a couple of years ago. And, you know, we are the first black um, woman to have a licensed brand that's global. In fact, we were picked up in the UK and in Japan. And you're also so doing good because you're, aren't you giving um, a bunch of your clean design home products to the military, the Army, the Air Force, the Marines? Well, we aren't giving them. We've just well, been luckily selected okay. potentially as a vendor. <laughs> okay, well, that, congratulations. <laughs> and, and that's not an easy feat. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, we're from a, I'm, my brother passed and in the military, and so we're a gold star family. And well, so God that's another, you. Thank you. Um, yep, that's another um, very important area to be able to make sure that military uh, people have luxury products too in their PX bases and, and in their online catalog. Well, I mean, that is wonderful. And, you know, you really have a lot of accolades. Uh, you were in Inc. Magazine. You were a, on the 100 list in, in 2020 of female founders. And, uh, you know, for people who poo-poo allergies, which, which maybe I do, um, you know, it's, it's you know, we, only, only because I'm blessed. Uh, and I'm blessed, blessed and I don't have do you to. Realize, yes. Do you Correct. realize that 60 million Americans suffer from asthma and allergies? That's one in five people. And that means someone sitting next to you probably has either asthma or allergies or knows someone who does. Yeah, well, I have and, a guy sitting across from me. He's coughing his brains out. So I don't know if that's an allergy <laughs> or maybe he's just got COVID. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. Real quick, Rob, before we let you go on to bigger and better things, how do people find Clean Design Home products? Well, certainly, please go to Macy's, um, which is we are, we're in 165 doors, including Hawaii, Guam, and Puerto Rico. Uh, look for Clean Design Home X Martex or go to cleandesignhome.com 
and we'll ship it right to you from our warehouse. Thank you so much, Robin Williams. Wilson, I'm so sorry. I'm looking at a guy who's a movie producer, so I'm thinking of Robin Williams. Thanks for being on, Robin Wilson. We'll be right back with Brett Ratner. Thank you. So before we get to the great Brett Ratner and we'll get all the scoop and the lowdown of what's going on in Hollywood and who's who and where's where and how does it work and and what really goes on backstage at a Rolling Stones concert because he's been there. Let's talk about my friends at Connors and Sullivan because if you're entitled to Medicaid, if you're eligible for it, they're the ones who will help you achieve that goal. You know why? Because if you or a loved one is sick, of course, in a nursing home, it could be $500 a day. $15,000 a month. That could bankrupt you. Don't panic. Just call Mike Connors, uh, Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law. They've been doing this for 40 years. They know their stuff because they've been helping hundreds of people with the same thing that you're going through. The only mistake you can make is by not calling them and not being prepared. They'll tell you exactly what you're eligible for, and they'll also help you devise a plan to avoid such dire news that all of your life savings is going to go to a hospital. So call Connors & Sullivan for a free initial consultation with a lawyer at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. They have offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. It's never too late. The time to act is now. Call Connors and Sullivan today, 718-238-6500, and I promise you, you will be glad that you did. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. You know, I could let this this song play for the whole segment and just ride it out. But you know, folks... Sometimes you get introduced to people, um, whether it's in person, on the phone, or whatever, and there's just a, a click. You just kind of you, you bond with that person on some level that it's you, you can't really explain. And uh, I have a buddy from high school named Bruce Sharrett, and uh, he's a he's a Brooklyn guy who became an LA guy who became like a Brooklyn LA guy bouncing back and forth. Uh, and he introduced me to a guy who you know he said, "Oh, you're gonna meet my friend Brett." Okay, Brett. You know, there's a lot of guys named Brett. Uh, I didn't realize when I met Brett, uh, I believe it was at the, where do you stay all the time? The Carlisle Hotel? At the Carlisle Hotel. It was was Brett Ratner, who uh, basically is a household name for his incredible works in Hollywood um, as a director, as a producer, as a financer. And, you know, I love his story because he didn't grow up in Hollywood. He didn't grow up in the movies. He created that all on his own. 
I believe, Brett, your grandfather started out in the rat business. Is that correct? He, rat poison. He, he well, I would say that's still <laughs> eligible to be called to be in the rat business. I didn't think remember, he bred them. Remember Decon? Of course. They still so, have yeah. them. Why? Are they so, gone mommy, now, Decon? I don't know. But he, 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 uh, there's a drug called uh, Coumadin. Speaking of doctors, because you went to the doctor today in, order of, in honor of going to the – and I went to the doctor today I also. you got another good I report. went to a pulmonologist, Brian Gelman. You'll hear me coughing occasionally. It's post-COVID. I don't have COVID. Oh, that so says you. Everyone's yeah, safe. I would like some documentation <laughs> as to I that. I took a PCR okay. test today. But um, I – first Notice of all – Notice he didn't say he's got the results I live in the LA. They just I, took the test. Yeah, I, I live in LA, and I came to New York just to go to the doctor because I only trust New York doctors. There we go. And I have to tell you, there's nothing more exciting, not only staying at the Carlisle. I didn't always was able to afford staying at the Carlisle. I lived in the village in the dorms on University Place. But I grew up in Miami Beach, and – there's nothing more exciting than being in New York City. I literally have been locked in my house because of COVID with my grandma who recently passed away. But she was 98 years old and I did not leave my house for two years, as you know. And I've not, I was like dreaming of walking down the street in the middle of the night with my friends who sitting next to me and, and, and being able to like just walk. Just We walked from his office to a Cuban restaurant half a block away, and it was the most exciting walk. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit who... Can I say oh, that's good. No, probably not, but my, Matt's on the button. Don't worry, we're okay. Oh, that's all right, don't worry about it. Nobody gave a damn. Nobody. I'm sorry. By the way, to be on AM radio is the most exciting <laughs> thing <laughs> I've done in 20 years. This is the fact that people are driving right now home, wherever they live, to Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Staten Island, wherever they are, listening to this, if they're listening, is the most exciting. You, you took me down too low. Now I got to... No, no, project. I got to turn you off. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. Is the most exciting thing. So thank you for having me. For me to be on an AM radio show is beyond excitement to be, for me to be in new york city where i moved here when i was 16 to go to nyu well let's start off the first though you you, uh, you start off at down in miami beach what's it like uh growing up in miami beach miami beach is like a scene of cosmic proportion it's like as you know jews from new york jews from everywhere in the world migrate to miami Everyone's 90. When I grew up there, everyone was over the age of 80. <laughs> I lived in a building on Collins Avenue. But I loved, you know, I, I always loved old Jews, old Jewish men. I was friends with Meyer Lansky. I would walk. He was walk his dog every day. I would ride my bike. Um, one day I'll, it'll be in my book. You'll see. And, and, uh, and every day after school, I would hang on. People would call my mom and say, your son's on the street with Meyer Lansky. Aren't you scared something's going to happen? I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was a gangster. I just thought this old guy would always talk to me. And... Um, there was an Italian restaurant in my building called the Villa Capri, which is like the most incredible Italian restaurant. I would go every Sunday with Meyer Lansky to eat in this in this restaurant. Now, when you were in Collins Avenue, were you down south towards South Beach, or you no, up a little south towards Beach north? Was like the hood. South Beach okay. was like the hood. My, <laughs> I was like between forty between the Fountain Blue, right, where the Eden Rock was, in the forties, and I was well, no, I was in the fifties, but the forties is Fountain Blue. Next building is Eden Rock, where I was bar mitzvah. Uh -huh. But also, what I, a bar mitzvah it was. Yeah, but I love the history because the cabanas there, the cabanas at the Fountain Blue. That's where Sinatra, who you, you and I both admire and love, um, you sang out all the best, you know, Shecky Green, all the best comedians, all the best, um, you know, bands would perform there. And of course, at the Deauville and the Beatles. And I mean, the history is incredible. By the way, people don't know this, but Miami Beach, people, Miami Beach was what they thought Vegas was. Vegas was a SHIT kicker town. It was like, you know, boots, you know, and cowboy right. hats and, and, and mud. And like there wasn't in the beginning, but Miami Beach. If you didn't have a suit on in the 50s, 
Right. You would get pulled over by the cops and, and you know. Now, take, you're, hold on, Brett Ratner. Yeah. You're much too young to know that. So no, who I, told you this? Maya Bruce, Lansky? Bruce told Bruce Sharrett told you that. Okay. Bruce right. So we all know Bruce Sharrett <laughs> yeah. on this show. So um, now, so you went to high school there. You went to uh, Yeshiva? Before or? I went to high school, I went to Hebrew school. And my dream for when I was eight years old was to be a movie director. I told everybody every day, one day I'm going to be a movie director. Literally. And what, what was your inspiration? You see Pinocchio? Or Raging or? Bull. At eight. I was I was actually ten. It was nineteen eighty. I'll never forget. And I saw Raging Bull, and I said, "How did this guy make this movie?" I just my mom my mom was so cool. I could watch R rated movies, whatever. She didn't care. And your mom was a very young mom. Yeah, she had me at sixteen. I lived in one house with my mom, my grandparents, and my great grandmother. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and, and we lived in one house. And and is this the grandma who just passed away? No, my gr- her, her mother. Okay. My grandmother's mother was my roommate. Till I was no, no, but but your grandmother, who you lived with as a kid, is that the grandma who just passed away? She lived in the house. Your but, mom's but, mom. I, but her mother was there with us. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Okay, so all of us. So it was like three women um, in the family, and I, I told them every day. My grandparents were doctors, and every day I would tell them I want to be a movie director, and they'd be like, "Okay, great, whatever you want to do, you could do." You know, they're very supportive, very loving. And but I knew nobody. I mean, I might as well have been from. from well, you knew people in the rat business, yeah, the, rat, exactly. the rat poison business. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I didn't even know that side of my family, you okay. know, because I was on the. You know, my my mom's Cuban. All well, Jew- that's why you go crazy with the Cuban yeah. food. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, because it reminded me of my childhood. But all right. we're all Jews. It's okay. we're called Jubins. We call right. them in Miami. And Only on the Idola Power, you hear Brett Ratner <laughs> coining the team Jubin. Jubin. All right. And and uh, as I was, you know, living in this house. I was just dreaming of being a film director, you know, and I didn't know it. I'd never seen a film being made. I, you know, and then one day, one day, um, someone told me some kid's school, you know, they're filming a movie on South Beach. I'm like, what? I skipped school that day. I go down the set and it's Scarface. Wow. And I hang out every day for maybe two months. Played hooky. Played hooky. And I told my mom, mom, I'm not going to school anymore because they're filming a movie. She's like, that's fine. What grade were you in? God, I was 12. Okay, like sixth, seventh grade, yeah. whatever. And I said, I'm skipping school. I'm not, you know, I go down there with my friends, but then I, my friends got bored because you just sit around and watch. Like, watch being on the set of a film is like watching paint dry. Right. But I saw Oliver Stone. I saw Brian De Palma. Oliver Stone wrote Scarface. I saw Brian De Palma, Al Pacino, of course. And and they knew me by my name, but they thought I was like the grip or the gaffer's son because I was like hanging out every day. And I would go and I, at first I would I would be shy. So, but then I would go to the catering. I mean, the the um, or the food, the, the thing food. The, the, yeah, what is it called? The uh, right. Huh? Craft service. Craft service. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I would go to the craft service table, and then I would start eating. And then one day, one day, uh, the uh, AD put me in a scene and said, "Tell the listeners, Brent Rana, what's an AD? An assistant director." And he said, "Remember the scene when he does the tongue thing and he shows a little boy." That was me at first, but then the, the director said, oh, no, Brett's too old. Put him in the pool. So I'm in the background of that scene. Are you serious? And then, and then that little boy was my cousin who I was babysitting that day and watching, okay? And I'm in that scene. If you go watch that scene right now, I'm in a raft in the pool in the background. And Stephen Bauer, who played Manolo, became my friend. But we're going to go in the Sinatra room, and I'm going to okay. find it on Netflix, yeah, we're gonna and, gonna, and you're going to circle it who it is. I'm going to show you. Put a and, screen and grab that, on that, my Facebook page. I, I saw that movie. And I was like, oh my. I, first of all, I thought Al Pacino was really Cuban. I didn't know, you know. <laughs> and I thought it was really Cuban because the whole time he was in character. And I said, wow. And I really, I kept getting closer and closer and closer to the director. And at first I'm like, oh, I want to be an actor. And then I realized, you know what? I don't want to be an actor. I want to be the guy telling him what to do. I don't want to be doing it. I want to be the guy. I see De Palma tell him something. I listen to him giving him direction. And then I saw him do it. And then it all, the dots all connected. You know when? 
when I saw the movie because I was there watching them make it. And that experience gave me the kind of the fortitude and the understanding to like, wow, I could do this when I saw it being done. And, and you then, were 12, 13 years old. I was 12, 13, and I thought about it every day. I told my mom I was too smart for the kids in my class. She, I, she complained. I was going to Hebrew school at the time. I skipped two grades. So I was ending up, that's how I ended up being the shortest kid in my high school, but I was also the youngest. I graduated 16. I said, where did Martin Scorsese go to school? He went to NYU. Well, that's where I'm going to go. I applied. I go for an interview. All right. And when I go for the interview, the, the woman's set, setting up my projector to show my little film. And the interviewer says to me, um, excuse me, we don't look at films here. I'm like, wait, am I in the wrong building? Is this not NYU film school? Yeah, we look at, we look at grades. We look at academics. I said, no. You said, no, no, you don't understand. She goes, no, you don't understand. We're not looking at your film. She opens up my grades. She goes, young man, you have the worst grades of any student that's ever applied to the school. What <laughs> makes you think you're going to get in? You better go to Dade Community College for two years, get straight A's, and then maybe we'll consider letting you in. All right, hold on. I'll finish the rest after yeah, the commercial. I, yeah, I want to tease everyone because we're going to go to the bottom of that. Boy, is this time flying by for me. You know, did you ever see the movie Batman Begins? Of course. Yeah, Imran Ansari, he was a big producer on that flick. Yeah, yeah. Or, or actually, was it a grip? It was one of those things. But he, he was, what were you? Camera assistant, right. So we're all here. Um, we're having a party we're in my law office. I know there's like 18 people in here right now. Uh, it's very exciting. My phone is blowing up. Oh, my God, you got Brett Ratner. How'd you get Brett Ratner? Well, yes, we have Brett Ratner. Um, we're going to hear the news, uh, and we're going to be back in like 120 seconds, as fast as Sam Bellino can get back. We're going to hear about NYU. We're going to hear about all the movies, the films, the music videos, Grandma, and New York City. We'll be right back. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. <clears throat> and if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Tonight, Travel Night on Radio Night Live. Valerie Dealey and Kevin McCullough. But we're also inviting some very good friends. You've heard of the Five Borough Bike Ride. Tonight, we talked to Bike NYC about just that very thing. And what about Cruise Compete? Check it out tonight at 7 on Radio Night Live. MagnaFlood has been a leading name in outdoor and area lighting for over 70 years. Family-owned and operated since 1951, they've built a loyal following by maintaining control over the manufacturing and production process and with their outstanding customer service. From CAD to completion, from drawings to finishing fixtures, everything is done all under one roof. MagnaFlood supplies lighting solutions for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, the School Construction Authority, New York State Bridge Authority, and the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, among others. If you've ever driven over the Brooklyn Bridge or taken a trip to Grant's Tomb, you've seen MagnaFlood's incredible lighting. They've recently manufactured over 18,000 new lighting fixtures for installation on New York City streets and in parks, as well as in cities across the country. With their manufacturing facility in the heart of Long Island, their in-house capabilities include molding, welding, painting, fabricating, and much more. Call 631-226-1000 or visit MagnaFlood.com for your outdoor lighting needs. MagnaFlood, lighting your way. Register now to take a journey that will impact you forever with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza for 10 life-changing days exploring over 40 historic sites in Israel this November 30th through December 9th. Sign up now at StandWithIsraelTour.com. 
Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2600. News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer. We have cloudy skies. We sit at 52 degrees on this Tuesday evening. What's going on? We have the answer. A four-year-old boy is very lucky to be alive after falling out of a sixth-floor window in the Bronx. Police say it happened around noon this afternoon at Nietzsche's Patterson House on East 143rd Street. The child reportedly fell in a space between the window and an air conditioner, although the window notably does not appear to have guard bars, which are required in apartments where children under 10 live. Witnesses said the child was conscious and bleeding from the head when he was immediately taken to Lincoln Hospital across the street from the complex. The investigation is ongoing and details remain sparse, but the child thankfully is expected to survive. Shootings continue to spike in the Big Apple and New Yorkers are becoming increasingly concerned every day. David Folk Thomas has more. Just last night, a 61-year-old innocent bystander fatally shot after getting caught in a crossfire outside a Bronx bodega. Some residents blaming former mayor Bill de Blasio. De Blasio set this. He set this stage right now. Yeah, he set this stage. And all his cronies, absolutely. Eight years of doing nothing. What the hell do you expect to happen? Others say Mayor Eric Adams doesn't have the answers. Meantime, the hunt is still on for the shooter whose bullet fatally struck a 12-year-old boy sitting in a minivan last week in Brooklyn. David Folk Thomas, NBC News Radio, New York. David, thank you very much. 20 to 30 minutes of the outbound Lincoln Tunnel, about 10 minutes of the outbound Holland Tunnel now. Both tunnels really not too bad on the city-bound side. All the approaches to the outbound GW Bridge are very slow, but once you get on the span, the lower level will be a much better choice. There was an earlier problem on the outbound upper level, which just has cleared in the last 10 to 15 minutes. Your forecast, rain developing this evening, becoming heavy at times overnight, low 46. Rain tomorrow morning, again, heavy at times for the morning ride to allow some extra travel time, high 53. Rain likely on Thursday, especially in the afternoon with a high of 54. And now you know what's going on. I'm Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. 6.30 on Tuesday, live and local. The only live and local show on here in New York City right now on your AM dial. And we have an unbelievable guest, Brett Ratner, who was so excited. He goes, what are you, is this on Sirius XM? What I go, no, it's on 970 AM. He goes, AM, I love AM radio. This is so cool. So Brett was in the middle of telling us how he got on I, to got into NYU. Yeah, so I'm, so at, the, I'm at the interview with uh, with the admissions office, and the, the lady looks at my grades and says, "Young man, you have the worst grades of any student that's ever applied to this school. You need to go to Dade Community College. You're from Miami. Get straight A's for two years, and then maybe we'll consider letting you in." I said, "No, you don't understand." She goes, "No, you don't understand." She goes, "You're not getting in." And they're not supposed to tell you that. Like, if you hurt yourself, they, you know, they usually send you a letter like two weeks later. I walk down the street. I literally think my life's over. I'm wearing like a three-piece corduroy suit with a vest. Nice. And I go to the payphone to call my mom, collect, and I see someone wearing a sweatshirt, an NYU sweatshirt, and I go, excuse me, where's the dean's office? And it kind of, and literally, he is on the eighth floor of that building. I walk up to the building. 
to the eighth floor, and she has a little old secretary with a little appointment book. And I said, hi, I'm Brett Ratner. I'm here to see the dean. They said, do you have an appointment? By the way, I'm 16 at the time. And they, I, they said, I said, no. They said, okay, three months from now, on the third Thursday of the month, you can see the dean in five for 10 minutes. I said, miss, this is life or death. And she says, hold on, fine, I'll go get him. And I go and sit down, and I literally felt like Charlie Sheen in Wall Street waiting for Gordon Gecko to let right. him into his office. And I'm like, I better make this good. And literally calls me in the office. I said, you know, she goes, Dean, there's a student out there that says it's an emergency. Can you see him for five minutes? Yeah, let him in. I go, Dean, my whole life I dreamed of being a director. I said, if you don't, I just I came from the admissions office. The admissions woman wouldn't look at my short film, said that, you know, I should go to another school. My dream was to go to NYU Film School. Martin Scorsese went here. I said, if you don't let me in, I'll still make films, but I'm going to probably be living on my mom's couch for the rest of my life. And she said, get this young man's file on my desk by tomorrow morning. I said, Dean, you're not going to like what's in the file, okay? But I promise you, if you let me into this school, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be a big director one day. Three weeks later, I go back. I have one of these pathological positive moms who's like, don't worry about it. Let's wait to see what happens. You know, I get the envelope. I open it. Scariest moment of my life. It says, you've been accepted to NYU. Wow. Give me a round wow. of applause. Give yeah. Me. Come on, Sambola. Bust it out. <laughs> Brett, it was, folks. Yeah, there you go. There that's you go. how that's he got, I wanted. That, that's how he got into NYU. <laughs> but it was, it was a defining moment because I got a yes after I was told no. And it just gave me the, you know, it's just. The chutzpah. That's yeah, what it gave me. The chutzpah and, to get through this crazy and career. And can I tell you something? There was nothing better than going to college in new york city especially as a filmmaker well hold on you were 16 16 i mean you weren't old well back to, i mean we're the same age exactly within months well, so you were able to sneak in a couple of bars and things like oh, no, that no no right? i would go to peggy sue's on university place my friend the Fahey's owned it all the firemen hung out there and uh so you were Julie, part of the nightlife yeah yeah i would go age. out i felt guilty because i hadn't accomplished anything and everybody at nyu was older than me and they were sons or daughters of famous people but i'll tell you Walking down the street and shooting films in New York City, any direction you point in, every, I mean, you know, people say, oh, you know, Brett, you're so smart. I said, you know what? I don't really have a high IQ. I have a high EQ. And it's from growing up in the streets of New York. So when I say growing up, I moved here when I was 16. I dreamed of going to like, you know, hanging out at Dorian's. And I, you know, when I moved here, I went to go to Columbus. And what's his name just died? The owner of Columbus. Um, He just passed away. And yeah. And so so for me it was it was like the greatest education. Walking down the street, I'm gonna go to the milk bar, I'm gonna go to all the places, you know. So let me ask you, let's yeah. fast forward. If you're gonna do a Mount Rushmore yeah. of your life in Hollywood, yeah. who are the four faces on Mount Rushmore for for you? Just for you, not not in terms of who's the best. Brett Ratner's four faces, you're creating your Mount Rushmore of the world of Hollywood, and it can it encompass directors, producers, <sighs> actors, actresses, whatever you want to do. Go. Putting God. you on the spot. Come on, brother. That's hard. Come on. I'm a lawyer. You know, we, a judge gives me a curveball. I got to hit it. Yeah. Come on, you hit it. You know what? Um, let's Don't see. choke, Brett Ratner. I won't Don't choke. choke. Um, I, I would say my, my four mentors. Go ahead. Robert Evans. Go ahead. Um... I would say James Toback, who's sitting next to me, uh, Warren Beatty. Wow. And I would say um, it's controversial, but Roman Polanski. Okay. I would say, you know, they're great filmmakers. But for me, it's what I, what was great about, you know, I had great mentors and mentors are very important, but growing up in New York, being in New York City, making f short films. I mean, I'll just tell you one really quick story. Didn't you start doing music videos? Yeah, but that was after NYU. But while okay. I'm in NYU, I would go to Washington Square Park every day. I would see all the comedians, all the performers, and there was a comedian in the park um, 
damn it, I can't remember his name. Not right when. Thank right you right. for not cursing. I appreciate. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. My, my comedians. Um. Oh, damn. Anyway. Um. Oh, he got. He was the first black guy who got uh, a part on SNL. It's the reason why. Why. Um. Eddie Murphy. So he got fired. He okay. was on drugs, and. Eddie Murphy got that part instead, and that's what made he he kind of passed the baton. He he since passed away, but no, not Garrett Morris. It was another guy. And after he was a stand-up comedian, and after he would he would perform in the park, him and the guy who would collect his change was Dave Chappelle. Wow, Dave Chappelle would collect all the change. They would come up to my dorm room in NYU and literally count all the money. And I grew up. I my my education was sitting in that park and watching this comedian and Dave Chappelle and all the other great comedians that were in the park. And that's why ultimately Rush Hour happened. And I'm skipping way ahead, but that's why I ended up directing a movie like Rush Hour because I just fell in love with comedy. Not only at the comedy clubs, but on the street, you know, in the park. And um, I just think that New York City, to me, is the greatest city in the world. And wow. I, I can now you got all kidding aside. You, you speak from a person who grew up in Miami, yeah. lives in L.A., yeah. and you know, obviously spent substantial time here. Now, well, well, just so you know, Brett, this whole show that I do for yeah. an hour every day is all about New York okay. being the greatest city in the yeah. world. So Here, uh, I'll you give know, you a few. You're reasons. a cheerleader that I didn't even know you. were I'll give a you a few reasons. One is the people. First and foremost, the most real people, as you know. In the world, it doesn't matter. The, you know, East Coast somehow breeds the coolest people. You know, in the world, the most real. Don't care who you are. You're not being judged in L.A. Everywhere I go, I feel like people are looking at me, judging me. You know, looking home with what I'm doing, studying. And this is Brett Ratner talking. And so nobody, he's, nobody, he's, but, he's yeah. afraid of being judged. No, no, but also nobody, nobody. You know, here nobody cares. Everyone's doing something with their life. In Miami, I love. I grew up in Miami, but no one has a job. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's partying in Miami, right? New York is the 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 best place on earth, and and I'll give you my five favorite. If and I you've been, by the way, Brett Renner's literally been all over the world. I, I called him the other day, yeah, answers yeah. the phone. I'm like, where are you? He's like, I'm in Paris. I just yeah. left him in London, and tomorrow night I'm going to sleep in Milan. Okay, yeah. God bless. So, I guess you don't have a four month old. No, okay. But I'll tell you my favorite, my some of my favorite spots. When I come straight to New York City, when I arrive in New York City, either LaGuardia or JFK. If it's early, early in the morning, I go to B&H Dairy for some Polish breakfast. Best breakfast in the world, okay? <laughs> I used to go to Second Avenue Deli. Of course, it's not there anymore. Then I will go for lunch. I will go to, first of all, to Serendipity for a frozen hot chocolate because there it brings me back to my, right there. There yeah, you go. my childhood. It's just, yeah, it's the best. Um, frozen hot chocolate is the greatest thing on earth. And if you're, and it's a, it's a Shonda. When I go to New York City and I go to Serendipity and I'm sitting next to some tourists and they're eating a chocolate sundae, I just say you got to stop eating. How that right is now. it shooting a movie in New York? The is it harder, way, easier? I, my first movie I shot in New York was a movie called The Family Man. I don't know if you guys saw it with Nicolas Cage and Taylor Leone, the most personal film I ever made. And I shot in the Washington Muse across from uh, the dorms at University Place. And there was no better feeling because it was the streets where I shot my little student films. I remember being on the set of James Toback's Money, the Pickup Artist, when I was a kid. What year was that film? 1984. 1984. So this is before. So I'm you were 17. Yeah, be, no, 16. I was 15. I was okay. like, so yeah, I was just in New York. I was coming to New York City. No, it wasn't in 84. It had to be 86 or 87. Uh, it came out in 80, 86 or 87. Okay. It doesn't matter. I was on set. It was the coolest thing I'd ever okay. seen. I mean, I hung out with Abel Ferrara on, on, you know, on the set with Abel Ferrara and seeing him, you know, shoot movies on the streets of New York, Scorsese. I mean, 
New York. You'd rather shoot movies in New York or in L.A.? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? It's not you, close. No. Chicago? You, did Chicago get I shot, I created a show series called Prison Break. Right. I shot in Chicago. It was amazing. Great food. I gained 20 pounds eating, you know, all the desserts and all the great food there, steaks and chops and whatever. But New York City is the greatest city in the world. And um, it... What, for, what has... Uh, real quick, in the last two years with the COVID going on... Yeah. How what's the happened to your industry? <laughs> well, it's changed, and not only just well, COVID the, the accelerated. Streaming, Listen, the, everybody, the streaming was accelerated because of COVID. The, it was like a five year plan. Disney Plus, all these studios, you know, Netflix, obviously, you know, was Paramount the first. Plus, everybody was everybody was kind of had this five year plan, and all of a sudden, everyone's home, and it accelerated it times a thousand, and it was great. Actually, believe it or not, there was a lot of negatives being stuck in your house. But being home, watching all the content, watching all the movies, watching it changed our business. Our business has completely changed. For the better, or the worse, both, or a little both bit. good okay. and bad. Because why? There's a there's a it's, it's a global you know the globalization of film has happened. Meaning the hottest show on on you know streaming is a, is an is just for example Fauda or or Tehran, an Israeli you know local show. So. Before, you know, subtitled shows, international shows, I wasn't getting to see them unless you were kind of seeking them out. Now, th now the world is seeing a show from a localized, you know, uh, place like Israel or, or are Spain. They, are movies being filmed now as we speak? Around the world, everywhere. Yeah. Around the world. Yeah. So the whole COVID lull has yeah. been set aside. All right. Well, you know how lucky you are, guys, are listening? Because I feel so lucky. We're talking to Brett Ratner, who's directed, produced more movies literally than he can count because I asked him <laughs> and he goes, I don't know, more than I can count. <laughs> so we're taking a, a 120-second break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Rolling Stones and, yeah. and uh, everything Brett knows about them. <laughs> The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO of Wesley Financial Group and timeshare cancellation advocate. I was sued by the largest timeshare company in federal court for simply helping people cancel their timeshare that they had been lied to about. The jury sized me up and came back with a verdict after only 20 minutes. And yes, I won. My husband and I are more than grateful to everyone at Wesley Financial Group. You know, thanks to Chuck and his team, we feel as though a weight has been lifted and we can move on without the worry of a troublesome timeshare. Whether you owe ten dollars to $250,000 on your timeshare, it's my mission to get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off your back permanently. Give my office a call today. I guarantee if we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare contract or you'll pay nothing. Get the facts. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-837-5050. That's 800-837-5050. 800-837-5050.
Today on Hey Culligan, sustainability and better water. Here's Sam. Hey Culligan, I'm really into sustainability. My clothes, my utensils, my food. But how do I get more sustainability from my water? Super question, Sam. And the answer is an always-on drinking water system from Culligan, which helps eliminate the equivalent of 15 billion single-use plastic bottles a year. Whoa, that's a ton of sustainability. 416,000 tons, Sam, and we're already on the way. Let us help you out with a free in-home water test with a local Culligan water expert at Culligan.com. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8 on AM 970. The Answer. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The answer. Yeah, baby. I'll never be your beast of burden. All right, that's Brett. That's not My back is broke, but it's a hurt. Brett Ratner with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, wait, wait, they didn't hear that. Say that again. Brett Ratner, <laughs> who has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, and was, I will tell you this, what, what impressed me so much about Brett was the way he took care of his grandma in her late years. Um, she passed away, I believe, was 98 years old. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And because uh, when Brett and I hung out uh, during a little bit during the COVID period, he was like uber careful, double masked and all that stuff, even when he was hanging out with me because he couldn't then go back home. And, um, and you should have been careful because your baby was coming in a few days. Yeah, right? in a few days. Yeah, my <laughs> wife let me out. But, um, you know, our condolences to you, Brett. Yeah, but you are, you. I mean, you should be in the Hall of Fame for grandsons uh, and how they took care of grandma. Yeah. Um, and, grandfather. and your grandma. Well, yeah. Good boy. I mean, I'm a good boy doing good things. What is your most, this is a, a question from one yeah. of our listeners. What is your most memorable Hollywood experience? Oh, my God. So many. Um Give me one. Nobody's going to know if it's number one or the number, number five. One. Give okay. me one. Just give me one. One of my memorable experiences. I mean, Where I, something went really bad or something went no, really no, good? No, no, no. I'll, I'll tell you the good ones. Um, let me see. I, um, oh, my God. See this, folks? This That's is what hard. you call you, you stage me. fright. This, no, this no, is stumping you. Fright. What's one I, of the greatest I, moments I, I, of your life? Oh, I don't know. I mean. You know, I'm a little jaded. I've, been, I've had so much fun in Hollywood. Um, one of the greatest memorable experiences was... I think, um, oh God, one of my stories. You know, yeah, a million. I have, I have okay, so I mean, I, you know, I have to come you're back to punt, pass, man. Yeah, pass. All right, let's talk about how you know Mick Jagger. Okay, well, here's what I was telling you before about Charlie. Oh, the, the black comedian's name was Charlie Barnett, the one in the park, okay? And Dave Chappelle was his protege. So these are the type of people that I would come across. And when I uh, made a film at NYU, my film was called Whatever Happened to Mason Reese. I met him on the street. He was a child star from the 70s. He was in, in, in smorgasbord, smorgasbord commercials, deviled ham commercials, remember? Yep. He was on Mike Douglas. He was like, and I saw him. I said, oh, my God, I want to make, put a movie, make a movie around, about, around him. And I did the short film because your film is like your resume. Right. Your short film is literally like your resume because you have that film. You graduate and you, you know, you're supposed to get, get you work. And basically what happened was I did this film. Mason Reese broke his leg in the middle of shooting. There we go. And sues me in NYU. And now my first paid six article comes out. There okay? we go. 
And it brought some attention to it. And all of a sudden, an agent from William Morris named Erica Spellman Silverman, her husband was named Ethan Silverman, he was like a playwright, decides to come to the NYU Film Festival. See, nowadays we have YouTube. Nowadays, you can be a kid in, in, in middle America. Nice and, and anyone, you, can make a, you can make a short film and Spielberg can see it uh, you know, online and, and like, you know, give you a job, right? But back then, there was nowhere to place my short films. Maybe HBO was buying a short film every six months if it was really amazing, right? So... This agent comes, sees my film. I end up winning, thank God, the festival with my film. But she sees it and says, ask me for a meeting. My first Hollywood-type meeting was a meeting at William Morris Agency here in New York. And she wow. said, I want to be your agent. I said, I'm not ready. I'm a kid. I'm an NYU. <coughs> says, she, says, no. she says, no, I think you're a star. I think you're going to be a big director. And I want to represent you. I said, well, you could represent me, but let's. I'm not going to meet anybody. She, then she says, okay. Jeffrey Katzberg's going to be in New York. Can you meet him? I said, no, I'm not ready to meet him. I'm not ready to make a film. What am I going to talk about? I'd well, I mean, you were a pretty pushy kid to go meet the dean of NYU. Why wouldn't you meet with Jeffrey Katzberg? Because I wasn't ready. All I, right. I didn't feel You were ready. ready to go into NYU with all D's because on your I wanted, report. Yeah, card, I wanted to learn. Okay. I want to learn how to make films. I don't, want to, I don't want to start schmoozing with Hollywood I people. I understand. Listen, and, I wish Imran had that same idea before he came to work at the law firm. Like, you want to get here when he was ready. But exactly. Only joking. But I, pa only joking. I passed on every single meeting she asked me to have except one. She said, Mick Jagger has a company called Jagged Films. Wow. And this woman named Victoria Pearman runs the company. And I don't know if Mick's going to be there, but he might. And you should go to the meeting. And it's on, I'll tell you, it was on West End. It was on 80. I might be wrong. He, had a, he lived on 80. It was on a white townhouse. I'll never forget it. I think so it was this on, is in the 80s? No, this was in 1989 oh yeah, or 90. It was like Wow, 1989. so you know him 32 years. Yeah. Oh, sweet so, mother so of So my Pearl. first meeting, my first, quote, Hollywood meeting, business meeting, is with, with Victoria Pearman and Mick Jagger walks in. Wow. And he says. What was he wearing? He's wearing spandex and a tank top. And was he cool? The coolest. First of all, he's Mick Jagger, so that's besides the point. But was he but nice? I guess he was, was he so nice. And he's a young down. boy. You were a young man. I was a Very young kid, young. but I was, you know, I guess they told him I'm this hotshot, talented filmmaker. And he pitched. Now it's usually you go to a meeting and you have to pitch the idea. He's pitching. He starts you. pitching me, and I'm sitting there in awe that my first Hollywood meeting, my first pitch. Anything was Mick Jagger pitching me in story, and this is his pitch. I always wanted to make a film where the Rolling Stones were in a film, but they didn't actually have to participate necessarily or act. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I had this idea where the film was centered around our world tour. And it's kind of like a Robert Altman film where there's all these different characters you're following. A Japanese a couple that won on a game show the opportunity to work in the catering on a Rolling Stones tour, right? Or And a girl that runs away from home and her father's a Stones fan and she doesn't really know the Stones, but she meets a guy and she goes on tour with the Stones and he's pitching me the story and the father could be Jack Nicholson. He's like giving me like who the... Who, and, right. right? And, the and, and all these characters are intertwining and there's one... And then he says, here's the clincher. There's two people at every Stones concert the same two guys, and that they're at every show, and they hold up a sign. And every time I do a song, or Mick does a solo, whatever, they hold up a card with Keith a does a solo. I'm sorry, Keith it's does okay. a solo, and they do hold up a card, and has it's number one through ten. And if I'm really bad and I didn't do my best, they hold up like a six. And I'm like, how do these guys know when I'm bad? <laughs> they go to every show, they know when I suck. So this is what he's telling you he's on your first me. meeting. Yes. 
He's pitching me this. These two guys that go to every show, they're following me, every city they see him in. Finally, he says to Keith, Keith, let's just invite these guys and ask them questions, see who they are. Because literally their cards are, t- are reading the songs, <laughs> rating the songs as they're holding it up. And, of course, they're just huge mega fans. They turn out to be true story. They turn out to be doctors that gave up like six months of their practice to come follow the Stones on Twitter. You know, this is like the Steel Wheels tour. Uh, something, yeah. It, right. And so literally they invite him backstage. And they love these guys so much. They're like, come on, let's go. Come with us. Just tr- you might, You're at every show anyway. Just ride on the jet with us. Wow. And they take these guys with them. And I don't know if this part is true or not, but it was a great story. And basically, that's supposed to so be because this is who I want Brad Pitt and Ben Stiller to be the two doctors. Wow. And they're inner. So whatever happened with this flick? So I was like literally on this for like five years. He attached me as the director. And you have to develop, you have to find a writer. And I become friendly with Wes Anderson, who becomes a great director. But Wes Anderson, because every the first Stones, the first movie he did, or second movie, I don't remember, had tons of Stones music in it. And he always wanted to put a Stones, huge Stones fan. And that's the director that wears like jackets that are half his size, you know, right. don't fit him very well. They're really tight. And and I remember Mick was staying, oh God, what was the, at the, at the, um, I think at Plaza Athen, one of these hotel, fancy hotels. And I, and I said, Mick, can you meet him? Because I think he will be a great guy. He's a director, but I think he should write the script. Okay? I think he should write the script. And Mick says, okay. So the guy walks in, Wes Anderson, greatest guy, nicest guy. And I said, Mick, this guy's a genius writer. Trust me. He's, got, he's really would only write his own script. But he wanted to have that meeting, just like I wanted to have that first meeting with right. Mick. And he comes in, and he goes, well, this is – Mick says, oh, he pitches in the same pitch that he pitched me years before. And I'm sitting there with a big smile on my face going, hoping he's going to love it. And he goes, okay, well, here's my conditions. Um, I need a copy of Something Sucker Blues, the film that never got released. I need to see that. I need the B-side of this vinyl. I need, I mean, like, literally he starts demanding all these things that he wanted from Mick Jagger, like, as a collector, as a fan, a weird thing. And then he goes, and I'll be back. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And Mick says... Who the hell does this guy think he is? I go, give him whatever he asks. If he asks for this stuff, just give it to him, please. He goes, Brad, I don't know about this. Please. I'm like, Mick, please. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Anyway, he didn't end up doing the movie. Mick wouldn't give him the stuff that he was asking for. It was like an extortion. Tell me real quick, what's Keith Richards like? I haven't really hung with Keith because they don't, you know. They don't I'm, really hang. It's not a big secret. Yeah. They Mick don't, and Keith. Yeah, they I work together. I've seen him backstage. Hey, Keith, what's up? da da Mick is is by the way, you know, one went to London School of Economics. No, he's brilliant. He's guy. brilliant. Brilliant guy. And I've been friends with him for many, many years and uh love going to his shows. And sure. when I met Arthur and he told me he was such a great yeah, should fan. we tell my wife now that we're on the air, we're going to Paris, right? Is that the plan? We're going to Paris June is it July, June? July twenty third. Right. The Stones are performing in Paris. Arthur's going to come. Can I'm you gonna... tell me the Donald Trump story in 45 seconds? In 45 no? seconds? It's too hard. All I'm right. Gonna... All right. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I got a great day. Gotta... Are you allowed to tell us what's next for Brett Ratner? It's, it's April of 2022. It's April 2022. Yeah, I, we both have Band-Aids on our arms. We, we both got have... blood tests exactly. today. I'm, listen, I was supposed to be here one day. I wasn't going to do this. I stayed another day to be in New York City, to be with Arthur in New York City. Look at that. We're matching. We're matching. <laughs> to be on AM radio. Yeah, baby. This is one of the great experiences of my life. Wow. Being with you guys, hanging with you guys, um, 
put, please put uh, uh, um, um, a picture of me on Instagram where I look cute. So I can, you know, <laughs> that's all right. I'm, I'm not married. Sh- I have no kids. I'm Jewish. I'm like, so to, you're on the market. I, I, I like to find a wife one day. Um, and uh, have one a, day soon. Have a, one day soon. We're the a, same age. Listen, I just had a baby. You it's kind of a young person. Sport. You inspire me. You are a family man. For, for those of you who haven't seen my movie, Family Man, he is the real family man. I'm looking at pictures. I'm, you have four or five kids. I got, I got four. I got three oh, okay. kids. Okay. I just got a lot of different things. Okay. Okay. That's all. But anyway, uh, I I love you. I I love being your friend. I love the fact that you're a lawyer that you could sue anybody that messes with me. That's it. And we <laughs> got Brett Ratner's back, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight was Brett Ratner. We're so happy on the Idola Power. We're gonna have another great show tomorrow. Thanks, Matt Sambola, for doing a great job. Brett Ratner on AM yeah. nine seventy. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.